Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Welcome to the Watford FC Buzz Podcast, the show where we talk about the greatest team in the land, Watford Football Club. My name is Matt Messiano and this week, like usual, we'll be discussing Watford and also having a little peek at the team who Watford are about to play. This week, that's Cardiff City and we'll be talking to the BBC Wales football correspondent. But first, I'm delighted to welcome back Jordan Weimer to the show. And Jordan, well, after a fantastic result against Preston, I think more than a few Watford fans were hoping for a repeat, both in terms of formation as it worked so well and then in terms of result as well. We got one of those. Unfortunately, it wasn't a result. And to make things worse, the formation that we played didn't actually really pay off as it did before. Frustrating one, I think, overall. It was it was lacking in a lot of areas. Um, as you say, we got to see the formation again, which I think at times worked fine. We got to see a little bit more of how it operated defensively. Um, but yeah, we just didn't have that impetus and attack and it was a frustrating evening overall. So tell us how that formation is being worked for Watford and why did it work so well against Preston but not so effective against Forest? Well I think the the actual way the formation is being used is it, it's pretty possession based um, which is a little bit less common when it comes to a 4-4-2 generally you're not expecting to have as much of the ball you're not set up in the way to retain that possession as much in midfield but in the way Domingos Queen is set to drift in from the left the side you kind of end up with that three-man midfield at times anyway um, and you get a little bit more balance but I think the difference between the two games really is just the actual pace that we played with in attack I think we were a little bit more aggressive against Preston I thought we were the space better and looked to play forward a little earlier um, against Nottingham and Forest I thought we were maybe a bit slow to do that we often checked out of options and, and went played a little bit safe and we just didn't really just didn't really put ourselves in a position to create the chances that, that we should um, as you say, we had the same same starting eleven apart from the one change. And it was an improvement in terms of personnel, I think, in most people's opinion. Uh, so we should have been testing Forest more, and as it turns out, we we just didn't actually get there on the night. No, just one shot on target for either team that fell to Watford. I think the guys who clip up all the incidents to make the highlights package probably had quite a, a difficult job to find interesting moments. In fact, uh, the, the extended highlights was only seven minutes long, Jordan. So uh, clearly, they couldn't find too much. Well, no, I mean for had the better other chances as well. I mean, in terms of expected goal, we think we're 0.28 for our rating and 
compare that to the previous previous game I think it was 3.4 or so and it's just it just shows the difference in chances chances created and, and quality I mean the best chance we had of the game we were talking about a, a cross from Saar that didn't even have a shot at the end of it so that was really the most promising part for mm-hmm. us so yeah it, it, it's extremely frustrating I think we should we should be doing better um, it does seem to be a bit of an issue away from home um, that's where it seems to crop up the most we just kind of get those bland pedestrian slow paced nil nils it's it's frustrating but um it's something we're gonna have to work on because we're gonna need to pick up some points uh some some wins on the road as the season goes on for sure yeah so it wasn't great up front but at the back both teams had a solid performance and after the match vladimirovic highlighted that both kafka and cabaselli had, had done a great job at center back yeah they, they played very well i mean they did their job well. I think they're two centre backs that, on his day, Cabaselli, we all know how good he can be. And Cathcart's that assured, experienced centre back who just offers you that good decision making. And he's he's a calm he's a calm head in those situations, especially games like that, where you're going to have a lot of the possess- a lot of possession when you've got players coming at you. You've got to be switched on. I think he offers a lot there. I think back line as a whole was pretty good. Um, Ngakia and Femenia both managed to get forward. I think there's definitely an argument to say that Femenia maybe checked inside a little too often. I think it's, it's a little bit frustrating with Femenia because we've actually seen that he can use his left foot at times. So I think on those occasions where he is drifting in and, and playing that pass inside into midfield at times he's wanted to get the ball in or even to cut onto his right and put a cross in. Um, same goes for Ngaku. He wasn't, he wasn't getting up and putting, uh, putting tons of crosses in. Having said that, I thought I didn't think him and Saar played particularly well as a pair yesterday. I thought they, I thought we could expect a little bit more from them uh, in terms of from their attacking output. There's a couple of occasions where Ngakia, Ngakia bombed on and made a really good run and Saar just kind of walked with the ball and didn't didn't go through the pass and mm. just played it back inside. I just I just thought we were lacking a little bit of pace and speed in the build up and a little bit of impetus and attack. I think in, in, in different games if we'd have if we had done that, if Saar had been playing through Ngakia or if we'd just been a little bit more aggressive, I think we'd have had some luck. But as it happened, we were too laborious and uh, gave Forrest the, the time to sit back. Um, and, th- and their defence did well because they were able to get into shape and we didn't really pull them out of it too much. So I think both defences did pretty pretty well overall, um, even if they weren't as tested as they might be on other occasions. Who else do you think uh, actually managed to, to shine for, for Watford uh, against Forrest? Um, well, I mean, I think everyone had mixed performances. The defenders, the two centre-backs we picked out, I think, yeah, they were probably the, the better of the players. But I think there were some mixed performances in there. Um, I did like some, what some of James, uh, some of the work James Garner was doing. I thought he did a, a decent job of getting forward at the right time and offering some support to those wide areas, which is something we'd been lacking uh, you know, early on in the season. So to see the fact that we're doing that consistently and, and giving ourselves options is good. Um, but then on the flip side of that, his set piece taking wasn't wasn't really on point yesterday, and that's something that he kind of offers. It's a big part of his um, yeah. his productivity in the team comes from comes from his crossing from set pieces. So. Yeah, I think it's very up and down for a lot of the players. I think Domingos Queen was bright at, at times again, getting into some good situations, and I thought we saw a little bit of what of what Troy could offer. Um, he dropped into some of them spaces, and he he managed to play through a couple of passes, but they were they were all kind of almost passes, and it just didn't really click for any of those um, any of those forward players. I think maybe Chalibur struggled a little bit at times again. Um, a little, 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 little bit more lost in possession yesterday, I thought. As a whole, we were a little bit, little bit less proficient in uh, retaining possession. We misplaced a lot of passes, which is surprising considering how we were less aggressive. We we still didn't manage to retain the ball as well as, as the previous game. So, yeah, I think there's a few up and down performances. It's not one I think we can really look into 
too too much in terms of taking positives i think we have to reanalyze it for for what didn't go right and try and work on that mm, certainly one that will be quickly forgotten as well because it wasn't that exciting either what is it about Watford on the road this season? In contrast to the home form, it's it's poor. And with the reintroduction of home fans for away matches, that's only going to make things tougher for Watford on the road. I, I, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I'm not. I'm honestly not sure if I think it might even be a good thing even if it is home fans. I mean, we all know the reality of, of the home game situation where often it's the away fans making more noise. But I think just having that extra bit of energy in the stadium, I think often that's such such what we've lacked is just that energy and even if we have to draw from it externally from from the home team cheering on the, the home side and you feel kind of that underdog mentality or whatever we need to do I think just having that extra bit of energy will help um, I, I'm not, it could be game plan that we, we do play at a slower tempo away maybe we are kind of more content with those low scoring games and we're happy to up our chances of taking a point if it diminishes our chances of getting a win but uh, for me I mean you can take some promise out of the fact that really it is just it's just the tempo of our play is how we're approaching the game so it is something that's solvable but we really have to just be proactive and, and do something about it and actually try and change that otherwise I do think we'll continue in the same vein and when you go against teams that are at the other end of the table and as we've seen I mean the, the top 10 teams are separated by four points so you're going to play some away games that are going to be a little more testing and you've got to be a little more proactive at times so I think it's finding that balance of of kind of matching them home performances and and getting something similar on the road it shouldn't it shouldn't be too far off but at the moment we look like two very different sides we do we do fortunately this week Watford are back at Vicarage Road and also for the first time this season in fact the first time since Covid struck they'll be back in front of fans will be at a massively reduced level I for one am very very excited to see the return of of fans and and it's interesting what you said there about about maybe even Watford being able to to generate something off of the the home fans from the from the away team when when we uh when we go away but I think they'll also be able to hopefully generate some 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 impetus from the home fans when they're playing at home in front of in front of their own fans. Oh, for sure. I mean, ultimately they're athletes and they, they want to perform to some degree. You know, obviously it's very insular the the, the rewards they get from their, their salaries and you know they're, they're very they've got other motivations. But there is something about performing in front of a crowd, even if it's a small crowd, and whether it's home or away. I think it does change the complexion of the game. Um, you do have that kind of sterile environment when there's no one in the stadium but staff and a few stewards or whatever. So yeah, I think naturally having that fan that fan base back in as small as it is I think it will make a difference to for all teams across across the country really I think it changes the complexion of the game and, and the way it plays out so I think it'll be good um, it would certainly be nice just to have those fans back in from a watching perspective whether you're there obviously it's great to be there but also even just from watching on the TV it, it does change things a little bit so yeah I think it's a positive overall um, and hopefully it helps us particularly especially this weekend and in front of Watford is a Cardiff side who have looked really good this season despite only sitting mid-table. Well, I mean, that's just a testament to how, how good how good the teams have been across um, across the board, really. That that top end and down to mid-table is, is so close that everyone's been performing to some degree. I don't think anyone's really run away with it yet, uh, hence the, the close point differential. So, yeah, there's a lot of quality across the league in that sense, a lot of similarly matched teams. So I think you can expect a, a pretty tough game. Um, I think there'll be... Our defence will be a little bit more tested than it has been in recent weeks and we'll get to learn a little bit more about them there whether we stick with the same system or not will be interesting to see um, but hopefully we'll have a couple of players returning we might have a few more options but fingers crossed we can um, we can replicate a bit more of that Preston performance than, than the Nottingham Forest 
And of course, Cardiff were in the top flight uh, before dropping down last year and almost made an immediate return, reaching the playoff semi-finals before ultimately Fulham stopped them in their tracks. But it's a real sign, though, that, you know, for Watford fans who are thinking that they might be able to get up at the first time of asking, it's tough to get out of this division and Cardiff fans will tell you that. Yeah, you've got to set your expectations accordingly. I think right now we're, we're third, but I think be prepared that we'll, we'll, we'll drop down at, at certain parts of the season. We'll be lower than that, and I think we'll, there's a good chance we'll be higher than that at, at points. So it's it, it's a turbulent league, and you just can't get too carried away no matter where you are because ultimately, if you can be relatively consistent, you can just stay close enough to the pack. It only takes one run of form, and, and you're in a, in a good position, or a bad run of form, and you're, you're kind of out of it. So, yeah, I think you just got to not get too carried away right now um it's not an easy task at all we knew that going into the season especially with everything that's going on um but yeah Cardiff for an example of that and you know they're, they're a multi-year plan if they're looking to get back I think I, I think a first time of asking would have been uh, first time of asking would have been great but it's, it was going to be tough for them and I think it's gonna be tough for us too but there is the chance right now we're still in that position we can do that so fingers crossed we do but if not there's a there's a longer process that we're that we're looking at so we've seen the 4-4-2 work well against Preston, maybe not so effective against Forest, but do you think we'll see it again against Cardiff? Yeah, I do at the moment. I mean, personnel permitting, I think I think we'll probably stick with it. I think there's enough promising signs to to indicate that we'd we'd be happy to keep going with it. Um I thought defensively as I said, I didn't think we looked too uncomfortable in areas that we could have done. I, I don't think uh, I don't think Forrest really really made us suffer in that midfield area. And I think if you add a couple of players to that four four two, I think it, it looks better to those that we have returning. Etienne Capu is one of them players that you'd want to have in that two man midfield. We saw probably his most successful season uh, for Watford coming in a two man midfield and that's that comes as as part of how he plays. He operates as that midfielder that can he can cover a lot of ground with his with his physicality, his length and he's able to kind of play he's able to play that role and, and take up the position of uh, of of two players almost at times. Same with Decore had the energy to him. So when you when you see that two man midfield working, it can be effective and obviously we still have Kapu. In terms of who will be the other player at the moment, it'll probably be one of Garner or or perhaps when he's back Will Hughes going in there would be great to see. I'm not sure Chalaber really suits that two man midfield. I think you've got to be a little bit more a little bit more comfortable in possession, even though you don't have to be too expensive. You need to be able to be safe with the ball, but in a way that you can push the ball out the field and, and help us get forward. So I think if you add a few ingredients to that 4-4-2, I think you can look a lot better. Um, same with the addition of Ken Semmer if he came into the left midfield role. Even if it's the expense of Queen, who's been very good, I think you do offer yourself a little bit of a different avenue of attack. So there's enough there, I'd say, that it's worth to keep going with it. Um, but I think we'd also be pretty comfortable to to shift that shape too and change into something else, especially if we are happy with playing Kiko at left back. Is it likely to be a similar team to to what we saw on Wednesday night, or have we got players coming back from from injury and COVID who who, who could feature? Well, I'm I'm not sure exactly on the protocol of COVID and how long how long we have left on on those waiting to come back. I'm, I'm not sure they're available for this game or the following, but if they're available for this game, hopefully they're up to a fitness level that they can participate from the start would be ideal. Um, but if not, then I still think we've got. I mean, there's a, there's a big question really. We've played a lot of games in a short amount of time, and the last few games we've had a lot of the same players starting. Especially when you look at some of the minutes that Kiko Femeni has racked up and Ismail Sarr over the last over the last few weeks. I'm sure if we had the option to, we'd be looking to rotate a little bit because I'm sure the medical staff are probably a little bit anxious about the amount of minutes that some of these guys are racking up. 
One player who isn't likely to feature is Craig Kafka because he picked up an injury. But uh, centre-back in one of those positions, as we sort of mentioned earlier, where we're, uh, we're pretty comfortable. So anyone who, who came in, whether it be uh, Wilmot or, or even Chiralta, would probably be able to, to do a, a decent job. Oh, Truce to Kong as well. We've got a good, a good Kong, few yeah. options in there, yeah. So I think that's probably our strongest positional group in terms of depth and and how close to each other they are in terms in terms of quality. I think right back too is is obviously a strong position, but it feels a little bit thin right now. Just the fact that our, our backup right back or or starting right back, sorry, is, is playing on the left hand side instead. So yeah, it's it's a strong positional group. Um, that's something that if we're going to get an injury, you kind of want it to be there. I think we feel pretty good about those coming in. Um, and yeah, I mean, that's really the the main worry going into this one that we that we picked up that one injury. But he even seemed to walk off the field a little more comfortably than I thought at first. It looked like it was a a, a dangerous a dangerous tweak to the hamstring as he kicked it out for a corner. It was a bit seemed a bit odd at the time, so he must have been hurt just to get anything on the ball. But yeah, he seemed to walk it walk off the pitch, so it maybe indicate that it's not as serious as we'd maybe worried at first fingers crossed he'll be available soon but again he's another one that's played a lot of minutes so I think if we're not careful we're going to start seeing these injuries pop up okay and a final question it's the same one that I always give you Jordan score prediction time what what do you think you're going to go for today I'm going to go 2-1 Watford this time 2-1 Watford I think it's going to be a little bit closer but I think we're going to I think we're going to make a few better chances um, I think we're going to have to we have to see some sort of reaction from the players from the from the coaching just to make them adjustments and I think if we do if we do it right if we do if we do it well and we put in the work I do think there's a, there's enough there that you can work with to to change change how we're playing away from home and, and replicate that again that that Preston North End performance and, and be a little bit more aggressive and, and proactive on the ball um, we saw from that game in itself that we are capable of making those chances, and we have the players to do so. It's just finding that it's just finding that that right method to uh, to be consistent and actually just kind of keep ourselves at the front on the front foot and, and actually being a threat throughout ninety minutes, rather than just these small small little phases of the game that we've seen in the recent away performances. Excellent stuff. That's the voice of Jordan Weimer there, Watford Analytics on Twitter. And you can find him on Twitter for some top Watford insight at Jordan Weimer. And uh, 2-1. OK, Jordan. Well, I hope, fingers crossed, it will be 2-1. Um, I'm hoping myself that it's going to be 5-0 because I'm going to be at the game. <laughs> I've managed to get lucky in the ballot. So I'm going to be watching the horns for the first time for what feels like absolutely ages. 5-0 it is then, yeah. I'm, I'm with you. <laughs> Right, next up, we're going to be talking to the BBC Football Wales correspondent, Rob Phillips. And we're going to be talking to him about Cardiff City and finding out exactly what the Bluebirds might be able to bring to Vicarage Road. Oh, no. Oh, mate, you've sliced that one. Oh, man, that's just getting embarrassing now. Right, that's it. I'm sorting this out. Hello? Is that Nick Pinnett's Golf Academy? Can you fit me in for a few lessons, please? Ah, oh, terrific. Whew. Yes. Blimey, what a shot. What in the world has happened to your game? If your game could do with some improving, get in touch with Nick Pinnock's Golf Academy, based in Panshanger. Nick is a PGA qualified coach who can analyse your game with the latest technology and coach you to beating your mates in no time. For more details, Google Nick Pinnock's Golf Academy.
Now let's turn our attentions to the visitors this Saturday. That's Cardiff City. And to chat about the Bluebirds, it's BBC Wales football correspondent Rob Phillips. Rob, welcome to the Watford Buzz. Now, uh, if you look at the table and see Cardiff's name sitting 12th, bang in the middle and with five wins, draws and losses, you say, wow, on paper, that's probably the most average that a season you can have. But uh, it's, it's a lot more to that story than, than meets the eye. Tell us, how's Cardiff season's really been this season? Well, I would say disappointing so far until the last two games. Uh, the home wins over Luton Town 4-0 last Saturday and 3-0 uh, in midweek against Huddersfield. And really, you could say, I won't say it's turned the season around, but it's made a huge difference uh, because they'd struggled up to then. And there was so much expectation after a great run to get to the playoffs in the championship last season where they lost out to Fulham, uh, despite winning at Fulham in the second leg. Uh, they gave themselves too much to do at home. So there was there was a lot of expectation. They weren't delivering. The manager, Neil Harris, was in a few problems. And the word was that, you know, he even he admitted last Friday before the Luton game, yes, I'm playing for my future. The club is playing for his future. And he asked the players to deliver for him. And they did emphatically against Luton with their best win of the season. Mm. And they followed it up. And in fact, those two victories are, are their, is the first time they put back-to-back wins together in the championship this term. So it just shows you how sluggish, I would say, they were. They didn't play well. Last season, Cardiff City uh, Stadium was a fortress, you have to say. It hasn't been this season. That has been partly it as well. And if your home form isn't right, then, you know, fans are quick to make judgments. And so um, you'd like to think that things are a lot better now. They were certainly better today than they were this time last week. Yeah. Well, you mentioned it there last season. Uh, Cardiff made it all the way to the playoffs semi-finals in, in the, the first season back after relegation from the Premier League. And hmm. after coming so close, I'm sure Watford fans are probably quite keen to know how difficult an ask it is to get back to the, the hallowed land of the Premier League at the first time of asking. It's really tough. Uh, I think if you look at it, there's not a great record of clubs going back immediately. You know, clubs will say mm. it is a priority uh, and they all try to do it, but it's so difficult to do it in practice. Uh, for a start, you tend to lose some players when you drop out of the Premier League. Yeah. So it denudes the quality of the squad. Um, Cardiff City, of course, had Neil Warlock in the Premier League. Um, they they made a real fight of it before bowing to what some would say was the inevitable. They had one or two rough decisions go against them, or at least that's what Neil Warlock will tell you. And then, of course, come November last season, Neil Warlock departed. The whole Warlock regime was was out. Neil Harris came in. He talked about reaching the top six. I don't think many Cardiff fans expected them to get to the top six, but they did. Uh, and so they made a real go of it. And it it was tough on them in the end, uh, losing out in the playoff semifinals. But make no mistake, it is a really tough ass to bounce back immediately. And I, I forget the record now, but it's not a great number of clubs who no. do that. And there's always a worry, isn't there, that, you know, will, it, will you do a Wolves and go straight through yeah. or uh, you know it can happen there are plenty of Premier League clubs in in the lower two divisions at the moment uh, former Premier League clubs so that is a concern and then of course the longer it goes on the less parachute payments you get yeah. and so it just adds into the cycle then. 
Yeah, there are teams like Huddersfield now who are struggling after having been in the Premier League. Yeah, yeah, it, it is a, it is really difficult, and some clubs adapt to it. I suppose the one thing Cardiff had was that they had one season in the Premier League. They enjoyed it, the fans, a lot more than they did the last time they were in the Premier League. Yeah. Uh, 2013-14, because there was all sorts of shenanigans going on off the field. Uh, Malky Mackay departed in the middle of the campaign. It should have been, because they've been so long out of the top flight, it should have been the best season of Cardiff City's fans' lives. It turned out to be one of the worst and the least enjoyable. They, they at least enjoyed it under Warnock even though they ended up coming down after after one season. Yeah, it's difficult not to enjoy football under Warlock. He's such a character, isn't he? Even when you're losing, he he, uh, he comes in his post-match uh, conferences and, and, and cheers people up and you're thinking, oh, we've just lost here, but I'm, I'm smiling. I'm not sure why, but he's, yeah, he's he a great... Had, yeah. He, he is that, he's a real character. Um, and in fact, as you know, I was in Middlesbrough this week with Swansea yeah. and he... He hasn't changed a bit. The people in Middlesbrough love him. The fans, you know, when I checked into my hotel, they asked me what I was doing up there, and I said, go to the football. And the, the one guy said to me, well, I said, we just love Neil Warnock up here. So it happens. He's not everybody's cup of tea when he's in the opposition dugout. No. But actually, plenty of fans would love him in their dugout, given his record of, of promotions. And the Cardiff promotion was his record eighth promotion. So... Uh, yeah, yeah, but Cardiff have moved on now. They're trying to change it gradually, trying to change the style gradually. They had an input of players in the summer, which uh, on paper has improved them. Certainly the arrival of Kiefer Moore, Harry Wilson has definitely improved the quality. But they've taken a while to get going. And, you know, Watford will be a big game for them on the back of the two decisive home wins. Yeah, that's right. Well, well they've brought in uh, Kiefer Moore, like you say, who's firing in the goals for Cardiff, already up to seven. And and then also, I, what I think was probably maybe the best bit of business, some very clever loans that have been co coming through the door. But, but how would you hit the transfer business for Cardiff this season? Yeah, I think people were very excited about Kiefer Moore, partly because he transformed Wales's Euro 2020 uh, campaign mm. uh, last autumn with a number of, he came into the squad when Wales were up against it for qualifying, but they managed it a lot down to him where he became the focal point of the Wales attack. So he had a lot of good currency going his way when he arrived at Cardiff City. You tried to get him last January, didn't, went back for him this summer. And uh, I think he's now starting to prove just how good he is. He's better than a big striker. He's not just a, a tall, awkward striker. He's very good at holding up the ball, which is what he does superbly for Wales, to bring others in. And, it, you know, in Wales, he's got the likes of Gareth Bale and Dan James and Aaron Ramsey to play around him. Some quality players, yeah. Which is a big help. At Cardiff, he's now found that they've just the last couple of games found the way of supplying him better than they were in previous matches. Uh, Harry Wilson has played on the right. Shea Ojo, another Liverpool loanee. Uh, has played on the left and they delivered some top quality crosses and that has been a godsend for him because he thrives on that and he's he's looking uh he's looking worth every every sort of pound they paid for him a bit under two million uh mm. we're told uh, still really isn't it yeah i think uh, there are plenty of championship clubs who would would have liked to have got Kiefer Moore. they beat off strong opposition to get him i think as they did with harry wilson and as I said, 
because of the number of new players, it did take them time to gel because Harris is trying to play slightly more passing football than Neil Warnock. It's evolution rather than revolution, which I think was always going to be the way. And of course, they had the expectation, as I said, from getting to the playoffs last season. So they were expected to dominate from the start. They've just the last couple of games clicked into gear. Uh, repeating myself, which is why the Watford game is important. And the chairman, Mehmet Dalman, said on Radio Wells a few weeks ago, they expected to be top six by January. That was his expectation. So that's the pressure on Neil Harris. Uh, we shall see. They came with a great burst last season, so I wouldn't write Cardiff off from making playoffs. And actually, following the midweek results, I do believe the table has just tightened up a lot rather than anybody running away with it yeah that's right and uh talking about Kiefer Moore that the Cardiff manager Neil Harris was speaking to the press earlier in the week and, and was talking about the link between Cardiff City and, and the Wales national squad actually and with the likes of Kiefer and Harry Wilson Volks Mark Harris they they all play for the national team and, and the gaffer believes that there's there's a real pride for those players to be representing not only their country but also their country's capital in the championship and do, do you think do you see the link there I do see the link. Um, Mark Harris is an under-21 player, but he's just got his chance the last two games and has thrived on it. Um, Harry Wilson is, is top quality. He's even proved it in the championship with, I think it was 18 goals at Derby. He was scoring goals at Bournemouth last season. Yeah, he is good quality. Uh, and so everybody was happy to, to uh, everybody were happy to see him arrive. Swansea City were keen on him as well. I think Derby were quite keen to take him back. Um, and I do believe it is because Cardiff is the capital, because most of the Wales games are played at the Cardiff City Stadium, it is a draw. The players will tell you. I think they feel that they're in the they're in the sort of envision for the Welsh yeah. management. You know, I mean, Ryan Giggs uh, will scout no matter what, no matter where they play. But I think they just feel that with the Welsh media... They're more in, in the spotlight. And it's the same at Swansea with the likes of Ben Cabango and Joe Roden before he went to Tottenham, Connor Roberts, uh, another Welsh international at Swansea. But there is no doubt that it, I think they do feel this sort of double pride of playing for Wales and a Welsh club as well. Mm. But uh, Cardiff themselves have uh, had some issues at least the, the the chairman and fan relationship have had some issues in the past i think the one that everyone will probably turn to is uh is the the, the choice of red for the for the um for the, for the yeah. previous badge but the, that's now been changed again is there is there a feeling that um the fans and, and chairman relationship is now back on a, a happy sort of medium or happier i would say um there was absolute outrage among some cardiff fans when they changed from you know blue i.e. Bluebirds, to Red. Mm. Um, it was the owner, uh, the Malaysian tycoon, uh, Vincent Tan, uh, without whom, of course, they wouldn't have the money that, that has sustained them. So you can't take that away from him. But it came at a price early on with the colour change. Mm. But to be fair to him, he saw how annoyed Cardiff fans were with it. And one of the reasons why Neil Warnock did such a great job at Cardiff, and I put him down as one of the great Cardiff managers, and I've been covering them for 30 odd years, he brought the club back together. It was a disparate club. There was no connect. There was 
there was some connection, but the, a lot of the connection had gone between the club and the fans. But Neil Warnock helped bring it back. And, you know, there will still be some fans who won't forgive Vincent Tan for changing the colour. But it took a big step for him to go back to blue. And mm. now they're much happier. Mm. And uh, it is much more of a United club. And Neil Warnock deserves an awful lot of praise for that. And Neil Harris is trying to continue that as well. The dragons remained though on the badge, but uh, I quite, yeah. I quite like it. I think it's quite nice. It is, it is a sort of reminiscent of Wales and, and, the, and the Wales national flag, isn't it? So, yeah, I mean, it's it's not. I don't think it's. a am no expert. I don't think it's a Welsh dragon. If you see no. what I mean. But, <laughs> but there, you know, there is that connection. It did cause a, an awful lot of problems, which. Unless you're a dyed-in-the-wool football fan, you might not appreciate. Well, what's the difference, you know, between other than bluebirds clearly should play in blue. Yeah. You know, if you if you're not into football, you think, well, he's putting an awful lot of money in which he is, which is undeniable. Um, what's the problem with changing the kit colour? Well, there is a big problem if you're a football fan. Uh, it's part of the tradition, the culture, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But now they're back on an even keeler, and it's not. It's not forgotten, but it, for many Cardiff fans, it's now forgiven all that. And uh, they'd love to get back in the Premier League. Mm. Well, uh, in terms of their attempts to do that, mid-table at the minute, but this time last season, after 15 games, they were sitting almost in the same place, 14th in the table with five wins, six draws and four losses. So some encouragement there that another playoff finish could be on the cards this season. They came with a remarkable surge after lockdown. Uh, they started off with a victory over Leeds United. Um, which was on a Sunday after most of the others had already started, after Swansea had been to Middlesbrough the day before and had got off to a win. And they just came with a brilliant run. They just timed it superbly. Uh, and in the end, it was Swansea who were battling to get in on the last day. Extraordinary events at, at Reading and Nottingham Forest, losing mm. to Stoke with a five-goal turnaround. Cardiff had got there with a, basically a game to spare. Uh, and so um, there was there was plenty of optimism. I think some Cardiff fans were pinching themselves that they had actually got there uh, because they were they were well off the pace when Neil Warnock went around about November last season. Uh, and as I say, Neil Harris takes a great deal of credit, and actually I think he's got credit in the bank because of that. There were some fans calling for his head a few games ago. As I said, I think the two wins have made a big difference on that. Um, and some fans will not take to a manager. They, you know, that's just the way it is, no matter who it is. But actually, I, I wouldn't rule them out yet because I, I think they've got a pretty decent defence. They've got a very good goalkeeper, Alex Smithies. Um, if they lack something, it's maybe a bit of creativity in the midfield, but they do have creativity on the flanks with Ojo, with Wilson, and they've got a proven goal scorer up front in Kiefer Moore. What's the uh, the system that they, they most often look to play in, in terms of formation, Rob? They tend to play a back four. Uh, this, they, they've had the issues at right back because Jordi Osetutu, who was signed on loan from Arsenal, uh, and after a slow start was really developing into the... One of the ways Neil Harris tried to change it is to get the full-backs to push forward, which didn't always happen with, with Neil Warnock. Well, Osetutu was a perfect sort of example of that. He was brilliant going forward. Uh, he got injured. So they've had to use Leandro Bakuna, but they've stuck with the back four very largely. They sometimes put on Sol Bamba, 
just to tie things up at the back if they're winning, you know, with 10 minutes to go. They've got industry in midfield in Will Volks and Joe Rawls. Um, and they've got, as I say, the 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 front three. So it, it tends to be a 4-3-3 formation. Occasionally they'll they'll play 4-4-2, which has been happening the last couple of games. And uh the wide men will still try and cut inside on occasions. Junior Hoylet sometimes, uh, Harry Wilson and, and Shea Ojo, I'm sure, will start at Watford, the form they showed in the last two games. He tends to stick to that. We don't often, I can't think of a game where, other than the last 10 minutes, where he'll put on Bamba. I can't think of a time where they played three centre-backs too often. Lazaro's been utilising the fact he can make more substitutes or like many managers, has he just been sticking to how, how he was doing it before? Yeah, no, he has. He has the last few games. When they were sort of in the comfort zone against Luton, he obviously aware that Huddersfield were coming up three days later. He, he made the five subs in the second half. Uh, off the top of my head, I think he made four or five on, on Tuesday as well. So he does make use of that. They do have a bit of squad depth, which which helps, and and so uh, he's always been an advocate of it. He was he liked it during the run to the playoffs after the lockdown, and he was saying in the summer, the little summer they had, that because of the wear and tear on the players, because there was no real preseason, a regular preseason, he felt that they should be having five subs. So he was pushing for it before it came in a couple of weeks ago. Okay. Well, they've certainly got goals in the side, joint fifth highest scoring side. And Kiefer himself is the joint fourth uh, highest goal scorer with, uh, alongside Timo Puki of Norwich, who's also on seven. I mean, uh, it's certainly there's, there's nothing really to sort out at that end of the pitch. No, uh, they, as I said, they, they've, the last couple of games, they've shown real fluency going forward. Um, and they, the record shows this season it's Cardiff scoring first is the vital thing. Right. You know, when they when they score first, they tend to uh they, they I mean, it hasn't happened that often, but their wins have all been when they score first. And when they don't score first, that's when they've had problems. In fact, the criticism has been they're too slow. They score goals late on, they haven't come from behind in games. Right. Um which has happened a fair bit, but not often enough for them. They were abject by all accounts of Coventry a week or so ago. As I said, they improved a lot over the last two games. And so I'm sure they'll try and keep it tight at Watford to start with because they respect Watford, they respect every team. But Watford are, are clearly, you know, they're, they're, they're just down from the Premier League. So you have to respect a club that has just come down, no matter what the changes, uh, and they know enough of the players to know that, you know, it, it, they will face a tough task there. The other thing, kind of, are pretty good at are set pieces. That is something that Neil Warnock thrived on, uh, enhanced a lot when he was at the club, and it's the same this season. You know, they are a danger. That Volk's long throw, uh, they've got accuracy from Wilson or Joe Rawls when they take corners. Morrison, the captain, moves up from the back. Uh, he's a threat in the air. Clearly, Kiefer Moore's a threat in the air. Mm. So that's that's still a big part of their game. And a lot of that came from the Warnock era. What, what have you made of, uh, of Watford this season? You touched on it there, but uh, do you think... I've seen uh... them once when they made an awful lot of changes and suffered at Newport County in the League Cup. 
Yes, yeah. One yes. more finest hour, and they had a man sent off, as I recall, as well. Oh, yeah, um, they? <laughs> yeah, they were brilliant that day. Uh, but I've, I saw the opening game of the season uh, on TV, and I thought then they looked like a side who would, you know, uh, you have to respect the likes of Watford and Bournemouth. I saw Bournemouth at Cardiff. They looked a really good side. Um, I saw Reading at Cardiff. They looked a, a decent side, but they've had a dodgy run since. I've watched Norwich. I think they're solid. They don't seem to have changed too much from last season. And they do have Pukki, mm. wh- who is a handful and who gets goals. Uh, you know, He got a goal for Finland against Wales as well a few weeks ago. So I think if you finish above Watford, Bournemouth, Norwich, probably Swansea, then you've got a really good chance of going up. Is there anybody personnel-wise that you're worried about that could hamper Cardiff's attempts to get the victory? Um, Well, I mean, they've got some big lads at the back, haven't they, which might uh, sort of deny Cardiff their usual set-piece domination. I think they got a really good goalkeeper in uh, in Ben Foster, who's probably a, a Premier League goalkeeper in the Championship. And so it could be a really good game. As I said, a, a week ago, I would have I would have given Watford every chance of winning. Um, and they might still do. But just the Cardiff have clicked the last couple of games. And, um, you know, what you have to bear in mind as well with Cardiff, uh, Neil Harris isn't out of the woods. I think he knows that. Uh, he knows that he has to get them sorted. And coming up in a week's time after the, the Watford game, they got a stoke in midweek. Then they got the derby against Swansea City. So they will, I know people say form goes out of the window with the derby, and neither Welsh club has ever done the double in that game. They've never done a league double either of them, never. which is an extraordinary fact, but it keeps on happening. <laughs> every every time they meet, we bring it up, and every time we think, you know, it's going to happen this season, and it never does. But, you know, mark my words, they want to be in good form for that game. Before the season, I expect playoffs was the minimum target. Is it? Is that still the, the target to aim for? Oh, yeah, I think so, yeah. yeah. Uh, and to be fair, Neil Harris doesn't duck from that. Yeah, He knows it'll be a disappointment if they don't get to the playoffs because they built on what they had last season. They've lost a few, um, but, you know, they, they've re- replaced with quality. So, no, I think expectations are that they will be in and around there. I... It's really difficult in the championship. It's such a bizarre league, but it's why we love it because it's so unpredictable. You just yeah. cannot think that, you know, um, there's such odd games. It, it, it's the the most unpredictable league of all, I think. Uh, and Dave Jones, the old Cardiff manager, used to say it's the hardest league to get out of. Well, I would suggest fans and clubs in the National League would think hang on, with only one automatic promotion place. That is the most difficult league to leave. Yeah. Um, you ask Wrexham fans, they'll tell you how difficult <laughs> it is to, to leave that division. Mm. But actually, I could see where Dave Jones was coming from when he used to say it, because you, you just cannot vouch for what happens in the championship. There, there is no there's no normal result. There is no, you know, who would have thought Watford would go to Forest and only draw the, the form Forest had been in? Yeah. Um, you know, who would have thought Luton would have such a, a big win in midweek after a 4 0 defeat at Cardiff? That says everything, doesn't it? And after that uh, big speech there, Rob, I'm now going to ask you for your score prediction for the for the game. 
get I'll tell you what, unpredictable it is. I know. Well, yeah, exactly. I reckon Cardiff will take a one-one now. Yeah. We'll go home and look after the next game. Okay. Cool. Well, uh, um, I hope Watford obviously get the victory, but you know what? 1-1 could very well be the score. Okay, then that's Rob Phillips there from BBC Wales. And you can follow him on Twitter at Rob Phillips here for more great content, although skewed from a Wales team's perspective. But uh, I'm sure you can enjoy some of that stuff. Well, thanks to Rob for joining us. And of course, for Jordan earlier on in the show. That's it for today's episode. But we'll be back again following Cardiff, where for the first time in this series, I'll be able to give you an insight from having actually seen the team with my own two eyes after my success in the ballot so for me Matt Messiano it's uh it's been the Watford Bus podcast we'll see you next time even when we're on a budget we still deserve nice things Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands they have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at 50 dollars luxurious Italian leather bags and so much more plus Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.